Welcome to The Art of Medicine, the program that explores the arts, business, and clinical aspects of the practice of medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Andrew Wilner. I'm very pleased today to speak with two representatives from NALTO, the National Association of Locums Tenens Organizations. As many of you know, I've been doing locums off and on since 1982, and I wrote a book about it, The Locum Life, A Physician's Guide to Locum Tenens. In episode 68, I had the pleasure of interviewing Jaron Dana, the current president of NALTO. Today, I'm speaking with Tanika Williams and Olivia D'Angelo. They will introduce themselves in just a minute. But first, I'd like to thank our sponsor, locumstory.com. Maybe you're curious about locums and how it might fit into your career story. But do you know all the different reasons physicians choose locums and how it works for them? At locumstory.com, you can hear firsthand stories as diverse as physicians themselves. There's not one solution for everyone. The variety of opportunities might surprise you. Locum Story is an unbiased educational resource. It has tools that let you explore trends in your specialty and compare different locums agencies. There's even a simple quiz to see if locums is right for you. Do your own research at locumstory.com. It's easy. One more thing. Thanks for joining us. The Art of Medicine is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Alexa will find it for you, too. And now to my guests. Welcome, Tanika and Olivia. Thank you for having us. Yes, hello. Yeah, this is great. I wanted to follow up on my interview with uh, Jaren about NALTO. So just to review, Olivia, let's start with you. Uh, you're on the board of directors of NALTO. Uh, what is it? What is the board of directors or what is NALTO? <laughs> Let's go with NALTO. Let's start there. Yeah. Well, NALTO? well, NALTO, and you said it in your intro, but NALTO is the National Association of Locum Tenants Organizations. I think Tanika has said it best when she said it's kind of like the FDA. NALTO is the governing body that ensures that agencies who are representing all the locum tenants providers out there are following a certain code of ethics and guidelines, and that we are all um, keeping ourselves to these standards that should be set for this industry. Well, I don't know. that To me, that would seem self-evident. What kind of standard would somebody not follow, for example? Oh, you would be surprised. Um, so a, a particular standard. So you're a locum tenens physician. If you are interested in working at a hospital and you talk to a locum tenens recruiter, it is it, it is not allowed if you are a NALTO agency to go and present a physician CV without their permission. If okay, you are... So yeah. Just because I've <laughs> chatted with a recruiter, hey, you know, I was thinking about going to uh, South Dakota, you know, and working at uh, this particular hospital, uh, which I did, by the way. Uh, they can't just go to that hospital and say, hey, I talked to this Dr. Wilner. He wants to come un until exactly. they, they get my uh, OK. Right. Exactly. And unfortunately, it does happen a lot where you might be presented or your CV might be shared without your knowledge or without your permission. But if you are an agency that is is saying that you are upholding NALTO's values and you're working under those codes of ethics, you will not do th something like that. So that's just an example, but there's pages worth of, of guidelines and rules that we all 
agree to abide by. And it's to make sure that we are all working together in a way that is fair um, and has the best interest at the end of the day for the people we're representing and the patients at the end of that. Yeah, I think we want to be sure you have great business equity for yes. everyone. So in order to do that, an organization like NALTO exists to really be the voice, but also to create a collaboration space. Um, so some of the things I know we'll get to later, but as we're talking about what does legislation look like for these agencies, where do we fit as we think about the future of healthcare and medicine? This is an organization where our agency members can come together and really talk about what that looks like. Mm -hmm. We can start helping shape regulation. We can think about guidelines that need to be in place. Um, we can take into account what physicians need as they navigate through the waters of a changing healthcare system. Exactly. It's more from just being rules and guidelines, which are very important to also existing to make the locum tenens industry the best it can be. Okay, this is great. Now, I want to take a step back. Olivia, Tell me your background and how you got into this position. Well, I've been in the recruiting and staffing sales space for over a decade, but joined Jackson and Coker, which is a large locum tenens agency, about six years ago. And upon joining Jackson and Coker, I found out about Nalto and found out that, you know, the reason that we do things the way we do is because we're following those those guidelines. And um, through my partnership and, and learning more about NALTO, I realized that there was this volunteer organization. NALTO, you know, isn't a, a, a something where there are paid people who are working in NALTO. It's actually people who are people who are agency members decide that they want to be more involved in NALTO in various ways. So I decided to join different committees and help NALTO um, just in, in various capacities. And through that and just getting more involved uh, last year, I decided to put my name in the hat and um, hopefully get voted in for a board of director seat. And uh, luckily I was able to, to get that. So now I'm, I'm proudly representing NALTO from a board of director standpoint, but also through Jackson and Coker. Well, well, congratulations on your uh, hard work. Thank you. Uh, Tamika, how about you? How did you end up in that seat? Uh, I am Tanika Williams with Jackson and Coker as well. I'm a division vice president over anesthesia and radiology there. Um, so as uh, a member of the Jackson and Coker organization, similar to Olivia finding out about NALTO, and what it does just for the advancement of the industry, I was really intrigued. I serve on the legislative and on the conference committee for NALTO, um, which is encompasses a lot, but I've got over 15 years um, in the healthcare space, working in various segments from pharmacy um, to medical device and now staffing. So that's me. Okay, that's great. Okay, so now we can dive in. Uh, Tanika, I understand you just returned from Washington discussing legislative issues. And and I don't have a good grasp as a <laughs> practicing physician and a sometimes locum tenens physician, how that kind of legislation would filter down to be important to me. Can you give some examples of what's going on? Absolutely. So the legislation that we're talking about is the Healthcare Provider Shortage Minimization Act. And essentially, it is all about physicians. You as a physician are the crux of this act. Um, and it's going back to the PRO Act. And we're really wanting to clarify and codify physicians as 1099 contracts. 
factors. So we want to solidify your ability to maintain your status as a locum tenens provider and not be a W-2 physician only, right? That is very limiting. And one of the ways that it's limiting is it challenges our ability to provide care to rural and underserved communities. So we're kind of putting a pigeonhole on what you're allowed to do as a physician without legislation like this. Okay, I'll just mention that uh, you mentioned 1099 and uh, W-2. So these are different IRS kind of designations depending on how you file your taxes. And on an earlier program, I did interview uh, two CPAs who discussed the difference between 1099 and W-2 and why it's important. So if if you're interested, please look for... uh, the programs with Jaron Dana also, who's the CPA, who uh, we who is currently president of NALTO, and also Ben Nanny, who is a CPA who uh, in Kentucky who specializes in doing tax returns for locum tenens physicians. That's that's a niche, right? So that's a very <laughs> uh, special niche. So, but the bottom line is, locum tenens physicians may have many jobs. They may have a mm-hmm. real job you know, a full-time job and do locums part-time on top of that. They may do locums all the time and not have a, a quote, a real job, a W-2 job. But by making them all 1099 physicians, that preserves their independence. Is, is that the goal? Absolutely. And that's how it's been since the dawn of the locum tendons industry. Um, physicians have always been independent contractors. So we're not asking to change anything. We're just asking to keep it the same because that transition to a W-2 drastically changes your ability to provide care. Um, We're really talking about also continuity of care when there are gaps in care and coverage. We know what that does to our healthcare system as a whole. And a lot of that comes because of physician shortages. So being a contractor, 1099 locum tenens, whichever phrase you tend to use, it all is just allowing patients to have the care that they need and physicians the flexibility to provide that care. Would it be too much to ask why they wanted to change it? I I had the sense that it was a well-intentioned, you know, because W-2 yes. employees get benefits, you know, they're treated as full-time, they get vacation time, and of course, self-employed people, that's all up to them. You don't get paid benefits or paid vacation time. So I... I my understanding was they were actually trying to help uh, people who were self-employed, but was were sort of putting them in a box that they couldn't get out of in the process. That yeah, was- and I, I can kind of answer that too. So really what happened is certain state legislation, who they were trying to help is really that gig economy, the mm-hmm. Ubers of the world, the um, the Instacart workers who are doing really, you know, important work and they wanted to make sure that they could have benefits and they could, you know, be a part of an organization and really be treated as such. The problem is whenever this legislation was passed, it, it took in, it didn't take into account healthcare workers and people who have been, who want to be 1099, they don't want to be in this W-2 bucket that it was forcing them to be in. So when this legislation was passed, unfortunately, they neglected to think about the various workers who would rather be 1099, and it forced many healthcare workers Mm -hmm. into being W-2, even though that wasn't what they wanted. So this initially happened in California, and there was a carve-out that was made for physicians, but then mid-level in PPAs, they all had to become W-2 workers, whether they wanted to be or not. So we 
created and, and Malto, one of the things that, that we are really proud of is introducing this legislation and trying to get this pushed again, just to safeguard the interest of everyone who wants to work as a locum tenens contractor. Um, so by creating this legislation and hopefully getting this bill passed, we will be able to ensure that those who want to practice as a 1099 locum tenens contractor, what it was created and intended to be from the start, they can continue to practice as such forever. Okay, so so where are we with that? Uh, we're in a great position. As you mentioned, I just got back from D.C. about 30 days ago with a group of other NALTO volunteers from the Legislative Committee, um, from our Board of Directors, and even some physicians like yourselves. We went to Capitol Hill. We rallied. We met with a combination of probably 25 to 30 um, different representatives between the House and the Senate um, to garner support for this bill. And I'm excited to say that just a couple of weeks ago, the bill was successfully introduced. Um, it has two sponsors, Representative Buddy Carter and then Representative Neil Dunn, who are not only um, representatives, but they are also a part of the Doctors Caucus. Um, which is really um, instrumental because the Doctors Caucus is a group of representatives who have actually practiced medicine in some aspect. Um, so you're actually hearing from people that have done it. I know Representative Dunn um, talks about how he's worked with locums physicians and the impact that they've had on a hospital and a facility. Um, Representative Carter was a former pharmacist. So these are people who have been on the front line and really seen the impact. Um, so they're the sponsors of this bill, which is obviously that first step um, is getting the spot, the bill sponsored and presented um, so that we can rally support for the voting process. So the next step would be a vote and then to the Senate and ratified and would become a law, something like that? Yes, that is it. Um, there's one little step in between there where we can still garner support. So when you talk about being in that physician seat and what can you do and how does this impact you, like with any major legislative session, we need your help, right? Mm -hmm. We need you to reach out to your senators and to your representatives. Um, and if you've been a locums, talk about that locum story. If you've interacted with a locums, talk about that locums experience. Um, and even as a physician who may not have any locums interaction, think about how you could impact a community that doesn't have the physicians that they need, an underserved population that has a physician shortage. Um, I think most physicians lean on their why that they got into this business in the first place. Um, and that's really what we're trying to do is just put some safeguards around your why. So being able to tell that story to other representatives who will be voting and may not fully understand what the locum's journey is, that locum's life that you write about in your book. Yeah, and I can see that not just from the physician's point of view, but from the employer point of view, a lot of employers are reluctant to hire someone as a W-2, as a full-time person, because then they have to pay vacation and they have to pay benefits exactly. and they have responsibilities. Whereas hiring a locums is a short-term commitment and uh, it's a lot easier for an organization to justify, well, we're just gonna hire this guy, Dr. Wilner, for six months, we're not stuck with him forever. And uh, so it, it could really affect not only the, the person being hired, but also the persons in charge of hiring in terms of making sure that patients have the doctors uh, available that uh, they need for care. 
That makes That's sense. a great point. Yeah. That's a great point, Dr. Wilner. And I think that you, by stating that this also, not only do we need to garner support from the physicians, but you're right, garnering support from the hospitals that this would impact. Because essentially, if bills like this are, are introduced and if they pass the legislation that would create, you know, or put everyone in the W-2 bucket, agencies like ours would not exist. We can exist because we're placing 1099 contractors. But if all of these physicians were W-2s for us, then we are all of a sudden saying that we are, you know, we, we know about your clinical ability and we are entirely putting ourselves on the line with that. But we're not in the hospitals with these physicians. You know, that's really the, the, the hospital is who they would have to work for if they were from a W-2 standpoint. Um, so it would really take away the locum tenens ability at multiple different levels. Yeah, and oh. every hospital just doesn't need an influx of W-2s. You know, think about if I am a physician and I'm going on maternity leave, the objective of using a locum tenens physician is to fill the gap. Yeah. You know, you're trying to prevent burnout for the already employed physicians, and it just doesn't make sense to bring another employed physician on. So it's really about that gap and that placeholder. So it just may not make sense. Oh, yeah. It's surprising how many gaps uh, there are um, I've worked as a locums when they'd actually hired a physician already to do what I was doing, but because of licensing and credentialing, mm -hmm. that physician wasn't going to be there for another nine months, even though they'd already signed on. But the process of getting a state license and getting credentialed by the hospital is so uh, cumbersome. And of course, they had to find a place to live. It was a new city. And so the, that meant there was a gap of nine months that I, as a locums, as a 1099 physician, was able uh, to fill. So everybody was happy. Patients got a doctor. Hospital filled the spot. The guy waiting didn't have to rush. You know, he could do what he needed to do. So it does serve a need. All right. So if I'm going to write my congressman today, what bill should I reference? Is there a particular number or name or do you have that handy? I can put it in. The I do. All of right, course I do. Us. You should reference HR 5208, 5208, and it is the Healthcare Provider Shortage Minimization Act. Okay. Healthcare Provider Shortage Minimization, minimization Act. Act. All right. And it's a well, <laughs> I'm glad that there is a NALTO. That's kind of looking out for uh, locum tenens uh, physicians. Yeah, and we'll share with you a link as well. You can actually go to the NALTO website if you are a anyone who is wanting to support this. And um, we actually have a form that is automatically it's 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 already written, and all you have to do is type in the state that you live, and then it will automatically send this pre written letter to your representative. Um, so we'll be sure to get you the the link to be able to post um, in this as well. Sure, that sounds uh, painless. Now, I think some physicians might that are listening or watching might be interested. Is should I join NALTO, or is that just for staffing agencies, or is there another organization that's designed for you know our end, uh, the provider end, or is there just NALTO. Could you sort that out yeah. for me? Yeah. So if you are um, a provider who is looking to to participate in the locum tenens world, we would definitely suggest going to nalto.org and looking to see who the agencies 
are that are part of NALTO. So if you are going to do locum tenens work, make sure that you're partnering with an agency that is, is saying that they're going to abide by NALTO guidelines. There is not a, um, you can join um, NALTO if you're a physician, but it's more if you have kind of a business that you're attached to. Um, but it, there is not that I'm aware of mm -hmm. a, a governing body for locum tenens providers. So maybe that's something you could start up, Dr. Wilner. <laughs> yeah, yes, I've actually been tossing that idea around. And uh, and and I'll reinforce uh, in, in my book, in Appendix 2, I list all the uh, locums agencies that I could find at that time, and they're well over 100. But not all of them were NALTO members. And if you do go to NALTO.org, there's a list. For example, I will wager that Jackson and Coker is a NALTO member, right? So you, yes. you abide by the, you know, the uh, ethics and the rules and guidelines of NALTO. So, I mean, to me, that that's a bare minimum. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. you don't have to be a member in order to abide by the uh, ethics and guidelines, but it, it's a sort of a statement. It's like, look we we agree and here we are and we're we're members so uh that's the first thing uh to check all right so there's no particular group you know locum tenens physicians are so heterogeneous right there's uh, just out of residency mid-career pre-retirement guys that do nothing but locums 365 days a year to make money people that do it for one week a year just for fun people that do it seasonally to go to florida you know in the winter <laughs> uh it's really um it's it's a mixed bag of physicians who all have i think different kind of uh goals uh so it would be very interesting actually if they had their uh, own organization maybe uh when we're done here offline we'll chat about that well is there anything you would like to add that physicians uh, and other providers should know about NALTO? Well, I think that it, it not necessarily as it relates to NALTO. Again, I mean, we appreciate just the, the support that we're receiving and anyone who is able to go and, and further push this bill along, that will go a very long way. But I have been really encouraged that even over the past year, since NALTO has really dug into these efforts and trying to get this legislation passed. I went to Washington, D.C. to help lobby a year ago. And all of the offices that we went to visit, a very small majority really knew what locum tenens was. And we were talking with healthcare administration, and they had no idea what a locum tenens provider is. Fast forward, when Tanika went this year, mm -hmm. it was a very different experience. And um, that was so encouraging because it just proved that not only is this, is it spreading, but everyone who is working as locum tenens and or is, has been impacted by it in some way, they're starting to talk about it. Do you want to share about your experience and just... Yes, absolutely. It was really eye-opening. Um, we tend to think on the Hill that only those people that work specifically with a health committee um, really know or understand what locums was. But it was surprising that when we introduced ourselves to people, even just in hallways, they had personal experiences or engagements mm -hmm. with a locums physician and were able to say, yes, a locums physician saw me in this instant. Um, a couple of the aides even spoke to how they had family members that were physicians and they knew that they had interacted with locums. 
Um, one young man even talked about his father doing some locums work um, in Nevada and some other places. So there's a real connection now. So when we talk about what does awareness do, it drives education. So, and I think that's really what we want people to do. Again, it's just educate themselves um, on what this part of the healthcare industry looks like and the impact that it can have. Oh, that's terrific. I'm, of course, a, a big believer in education about uh, locum tenens. Well, I'd like to thank Tanika and Olivia for discussing NALTO on the art of medicine. Thank you. Thank you. Before we close, I'd like to give another thanks to our sponsor, locumstory.com, a resource where providers can get real, unbiased answers about locum tenens. I'm Dr. Andrew Wilner. See you next time. This program is hosted, edited, and produced by Andrew Wilner, MD, FACP, FAAN. Guests receive no financial compensation for their appearance on the art of medicine. Andrew Wilner, MD, is Associate Professor of Neurology at the University of Tennessee Health Science Center, Memphis, Tennessee. Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on this program belong solely to Dr. Wilner and his guests and not necessarily to their employers, organizations, or other group or individual. While this program intends to be informative, it is meant for entertainment purposes only. The Art of Medicine does not offer professional financial, legal, or medical advice. Dr. Wilner and his guests assume no responsibility or liability for any damages, financial or otherwise, that arise in connection with consuming this program's content. Thanks for watching. For more episodes of The Art of Medicine, please subscribe. www.andrewwilner.com